Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me tonight is Andrew White. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Great to chat with you again. We had a real brief chat last year, but didn't really get into who Andrew was, so this will be a lot of fun getting to know you a little bit more. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This should be fun. So Andrew is the front-end engineering lead at Paizo. In addition, he's a prolific freelance writer and game designer. He has Pathfinder 2nd Edition credits in the Advanced Player's Guide, Bestiary 3, Secrets of Magic, Guns and Gears, Book of the Dead, and Treasure Vault. He also contributed to the Adventures Toolbox for Adventure Path 161, Billy the Black Whale. On the Starfinder side, Andrew wrote The Great Grav Train Robbery, a one-shot adventure for Starfinder, and also the Danger Dossier for Starfinder Infinite, an update of 32 classic Pathfinder monsters for Starfinder. Now, Andrew, can you talk a little bit about your journey to becoming the front-end engineering lead and what that job actually entails? Well, sure. I mean, as the front-end engineering lead, my job is I'm one of the people on the Paizo's tech team who work uh, tirelessly to prevent the website from breaking too badly. Um, I have been working in tech for a while. Um, I Up until Paizo, I was working a lot of video game companies, mostly mm. small startups um, that had a tendency to start real strong and then run out of money and crash and burn, which is... I mean, it's true of startups in general. It's it's doubly true of video game startups. But um, I'm a big fan of gaming, always have been. And uh, that was one way to get into that industry and contribute to it and learn from the people around me. Uh, so that was where I got started. Um, when I came to Paizo, I was working uh, on the Xbox team, actually, after one of my studios had gone under. Mm-hmm. And um, I came to Paizo at a good time, I guess, because they were working on rebuilding the tech team. I was looking for a company that was fairly stable and was interested in um, starting up a new project, which is what we've been doing since then. We've been trying to uh, upgrade the website to bring it up to modern standards and um, and basically make it better for for everybody who uses it. Yeah, it gets a lot of traffic and you can you can tell sometimes when something's really active things might slow down a little bit but i think all in all it it seems to function um as designed that's that's what i'll say <laughs> yeah it's there's there's a lot of room for improvement but we've got a yeah. really good team and we're we've yeah. we're, we're putting all that we can into it so yeah no it's <laughs> Yes, and I have seen incremental improvements even over the last four or five years. So I know you guys are working on it. So keep at it. Keep at it. I appreciate that. Now, you've also done a lot of freelance work for Pathfinder and Starfinder as well. How did you get your start freelancing? So I got my start freelancing. I think the first thing I wrote was probably about a year after I started at Paizo. Um, And I mainly got that by just talking to the people that I worked with. I think Ron Lundeen was the first person who said, hey, you you know, you should try some freelancing. Um, And he was the one who set me up. My first published work was the Adventure Toolbox in the end of um, Belly of the Black Whale. And he's like, yeah, let's, uh, let's, why don't you try and write some monsters, throw throw some pitches at me and I'll, and I'll pick a few out and then you can try and develop them from there and we'll see how it goes. And um, 
I liked it. I had a great time doing it. And apparently he, he liked my work and gave me good recommendations to some of the other people. And I've just sort of been picking up additional assignments here and there from there. Yeah, you've done quite a bit. And I'm especially excited about the great grav train robbery because I'm a, more of a Starfinder guy. Um, how did you get that adventure path? Because you were doing hardcovers and then boom, uh, you got that one adventure there that's standalone. So that one, uh, I basically, uh, I got a random message from Jason Tondra, who was the developer on that project, who reached out and said, hey, do you want to, do you want to do a space heist adventure? And I was like, yes, that's, you know, even if I didn't already know what it was, you know, you got me hooked on space heist. And I mm -hmm. think, I can't remember for sure. I think that part of that was a recommendation from Jason Keeley who was still is actually was playing in a Pathfinder based Wild West themed game that I've been running. Right. Right. So yeah, I guess he thought that I had a good hand handle on uh, the Western tropes. And I tried to bring some of that into the train robbery thing. Um, and that was just a blaster, right? That was, that was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of heists, so I was trying to get mm -hmm. as many of the tropes in there that I could as possible. And the real challenge there is trying to squeeze everything into, uh, into the, the uh, word count that we had a lot of, especially since I don't, at some point we decided, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we came up with uh, three totally different endings to put into this thing? Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that project. Uh, what is the word count on those adventures? I'm not, I'm not certain of that. So do you the, know? the adventure itself was somewhere, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 words. And then there was also the, um, the pre-generated pre characters, which, which mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. you know, wrote up and gave them stats and backgrounds and everything so they fit into the adventure. So I think total, it was somewhere around the neighborhood of 13,000, but still that's, uh, that, that count goes fast when you start writing. Oh yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. Now you've written a lot for Pathfinder and then now some for Starfinder and getting into Starfinder Infinite. What are the challenges that you face kind of switching back and forth and actually trying to interface between the two systems? So I think the biggest thing, and this is probably something that you'd hear from a lot of different freelance writers and probably some people on staff too, is just remembering what belongs in what system. Mm -hmm. um, I have that problem too also when I'm writing just for Pathfinder stuff. There will be things that I remember from first edition because I've been playing Pathfinder since first edition where I'll, I'll start writing something and say like, yeah, this is a, this is a swift action. And then I think, oh, wait, nope, there are no swift actions in Pathfinder 2. And then I remember, oh, wait, actually, no, there are swift actions because you're, I'm actually writing Starfinder here. So there's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of things like uh, I'll, I'll say, okay, you need to make a strength check here. And then I remember that those don't exist either. So it's mainly just a question of, it's, it's, it's not tremendously difficult, I guess, but it's trying to remember or catch yourself if you accidentally use something for the wrong system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, are you actively playing some games here uh, locally? I am. Yeah. The, uh, the game that I mentioned before that, uh, that Jason Keeley was in is, uh, is still going on. Um, we're running it online. We're using Foundry, um, mm -hmm. which was actually how I discovered Foundry, which I'm also a big, a big fan of and have been trying to push Paizo into doing more with lately. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's the PF2 sort of homebrew Wild West setting um, that's been going on since actually fairly early on in the pandemic. So it's uh, especially considering that schedules have been shifting around all over the place since people actually started being able to go outside again. Um, mm -hmm. It's been going for quite a while. 
Um, yeah, I, I like Foundry quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my that was my introduction to Foundry, and after playing with it myself, that was I I, I have spent a lot of time trying to get um, trying to get buy in on, um, on on making it possible for Paizo to produce the the premium content on Foundry, like what the, we've been doing recently with the uh, the Abomination Vaults adventures and mm-hmm. the day and date releases of the AP volumes. And um, if you haven't checked any of those out, they are fantastic. I can't take credit for actually building any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been doing my best to facilitate with the teams and get them the art assets they need and everything. And, uh, I think that the, the result has been absolutely fantastic. I think that, um, the Paizo, the, the Pathfinder two system on foundry, mm-hmm. which is put together entirely by a team of volunteers is right. just, as far as I'm concerned, it's the, it's the industry leader when it comes to, uh, a, um, a, a VTT system implementation. It's just fantastic. So many of the calculations are done automatically. The mm-hmm. things just work and it just keeps getting better and better. So it's, um, and it's easy to run Pathfinder second edition on there. Even if something's not preloaded to do it yourself, it's I've, I've put some stuff on there and I was just shocked how much support there is oh, for yeah. second edition. Yeah. The team that, that did the, the Pathfinder two system on foundry has just done an amazing job and continues to do an amazing job. I'm always impressed every time I I jump in there after an update and it's like, Oh, this thing that I used to have to actually think about, I no longer do. It's almost, uh, (laughs) it's, it's almost a downside because when I actually go back to playing in person, then I'm like, Oh man, now I have to actually do (laughs) numbers in my head again. Um, you know, how the, how the hell did we do this for 20 years, you know? But um, yeah, it's great. I love it. They, they, they've done an amazing job and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it continues to go in the future. Well, I hope they do more for Starfinder. It's, it's Starfinder is a little bit more bare bones. Uh, the support for Starfinder, it's there, but it's not near to the level that uh, second edition is on there though. Well, I can't make any promises yet, but I can certainly heavily imply that it is something we want to make happen. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, I think that Starfinder is, I mean, if if we can get all the Paizo fans consolidated in one place and keep everybody as happy as we can, I think the better everybody else is. So I definitely want to see some love for Starfinder on that platform. The system is great. I've um, I've talked to the guy who's developing it. Um, and yeah, I think the, again, no promises, but we're, we're hoping to, to see some stuff for that in the future. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, you've earned, you mentioned this earlier, you worked for a couple of game companies before smaller startups, and you've earned several credentials related to game design and creation. Were these primarily for video games or were they applicable to tabletop RPGs as well? So they were, when I took them, they were primarily based around, well, it depends on the class, I guess. There were a number of classes I took um, in the in the degree program that I have. And a lot of the earlier ones were based around just general game theory in general. One of the, um, one of the final assignments we had was basically boiled down to make Monopoly not suck, because, <laughs> which is a challenge. Um, so yeah, certainly some of those game design principles are applicable to both tabletop games and to video games. And then later on, when I actually started actively working in the video game industry, um, there were there were some more things that I took in that I, that I went to, into that were more focused on video games. Things like um, 
I mean, the, the, the gamification thing um, is one of those where it's like taking uh, taking what is normally not a game-based activity and trying to introduce game principles into it, mm-hmm. um, which frequently is applied questionably, I think, if I can say so. It's, um, I'm not super, I'm not the biggest fan of gamification in things that aren't games, but I think that they can be interesting ways to make things fun. Um, and that was, that was a cool thing to study. Um, so yeah, I guess the answer to your question is a lot of that stuff is applicable across the board. Um, even though at the time I was taking it, uh, with a, mainly with a focus on video games. And, and how has this aided you in your own writing and design work for tabletop RPGs? Um, honestly, uh, beyond some of the most basic principles, most of it I kind of had to learn over again. But mm-hmm. uh, but fortunately, um, fortunately, I, I have had the 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 about the um, the good luck to work around and with a lot of other people, both freelancers and. Mm-hmm full-timers at Paizo's at Paizo uh, alike who are willing to listen to questions and give me feedback, honest feedback on things that I've written and say like, well, you know, this works, but, uh, but it could be better. Or yeah, you know, it seems like you spent so much time trying to figure out how to actually make this thing work mechanically that it's not actually that much fun. Um, just feedback like that. I think that honestly, that's, that's the best way to learn something like this is to just, mm-hmm try a bunch of things and and make make a lot of bad things honestly first and uh, and get people who have ma- already made all those mistakes to look at your bad things and say yep i remember doing this exact kind of bad thing and making this exact kind of mistake let me show you how i fixed it and um after, you know the more you do of it the more those those things just get settled in your head and you 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 eventually get to a point where you sort of feel like you know what you're doing and I'm not there yet. I still have no idea what I'm doing, but someday maybe I will. Hmm. Very good. Um, do you have any other advice for people interested in becoming freelance authors like yourself? I think at this point, the fact that Starfinder and Pathfinder Infinite both exist is a fantastic boon for anybody who's interested in doing game writing. Um, Cause drive through RPG was always there, but actually putting stuff out there and, and, and having it, getting it discovered um, is a challenge. I think that now that Pathfinder and Starfinder Infinite are out there and provide assets and all sorts of things that people can use to, to basically to overcome some of the most difficult hurdles of actually trying to print something, which is things like, you know, I can't afford to, to put together a cover. I can't afford to get art. I can't afford to mm-hmm. things like this. I think that just jumping in there and finding some cool idea that uh, you miss from first edition or something that you always just, you know, felt like throwing together up and you, you know, you put, you, you can put anything in there, honestly. And, um, who knows, maybe you'll find somebody else who, who is interested in the same thing and is willing to throw you a couple of bucks for it. And of course, once you've got more out there, the algorithm will eventually start directing people to other stuff that you write. And, um, it's a great way to get practice and it's a great way to get people who are actually interested in what you, what you're, what you're putting out. Now you've published uh, one thing for Starfinder and infinite. Um, one question I have, there's lots of assets there and you, you build content. What about the layout? Where did you get uh, your help for doing the layout for that? I can take absolutely no credit whatsoever for the layout there because that was all done by friend of basically everyone in the industry. Uh, Owen Casey Stevens, who um, 
is also the the guy behind Rogue Genius Games, which published right. it. Um, so yeah, I I wrote the text and um, basically wrote the text around the images that were available uh, on blogs and uh, in the package of, uh, of of images that you can get anybody can get actually on Starfinder Infinite, and then he did the layout himself. And uh, he did an amazing job. I'm really, really happy with how that turned out. Oh, so you can use art from the Paizo blogs. That's acceptable as well. Uh, you can use art. My understanding is you can use any art. You cannot use photographs. And right. there are probably limits somewhere on specifically what kinds of art you're allowed to use. I know that anything, um, we have all that stuff documented somewhere. Um, but yes, a lot of the things that people often were not aware of at first is that it's not just the packages of art that you can get on Starfinder. Right. You can find it on the blog, and there's a ton of stuff on the blog mm-hmm. because we've got 14 years of 14 plus years of history out there. Um, anything you can find there, you can give that a stat block to and write it up or use it in your, uh, in your fiction or use it in uh, anything that you want, honestly. Nice. I I was not aware of that. I knew that you could use the blog for other things. We use it at no direction. We're able to use those images because of that. I didn't realize that was part of Infinite too. I'm going to have to go back and and read on that because that opens up a lot of space right? uh, for doing things for sure. So last year I interviewed you and Jake Tondro about Paizo United before the union was formally recognized. Can you tell me uh, how that's going now? It's going quite well. Um, we've been in negotiations for, for quite some time. Um, we've gone through a lot of different documents. Um, we have reached tentative agreements on many of those documents, and we are slowly moving forward to what we hope will eventually be our first contract. Um, I think we're actually moving quite, quite quickly, all things considered. Um, the average length from average length of time between the formation of a union and first contract is, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of about two years. Hmm. I think at this point we're on track to maybe, again, no promises, no one to jinx it or anything, but somewhere in the neighborhood of about a year is uh, about the time that we're hoping to have this closed up for the first contract. And so far, it's been great. I think that we're going to manage to accomplish a lot of good things for for both the workers at Paizo and, by extension, for the company in general. So, so far, I would say it's been a a resounding success. And do you feel like uh, the union's been able to make fairly significant changes, or has that been less than maybe what you expected? Well, it's hard to say because... Obviously, we'd love to be able to make all kinds of grand sweeping changes. I think we need to start small and work our way up. I think that what we are focusing on right now are the things that are the most important to the majority of workers and the things that will allow the majority of workers to continue working at Paizo, quite frankly. Um, So one of the things that we're working on Right now, one of the things that we're heading into negotiation on in our next meeting, actually, um, is a return to discussing wages, which is going to be a big issue in any sort of union contract. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think our hope is that by doing that, we can make it more feasible for a lot of Paizo's current workers to continue working at Paizo. We've had, in spite of all of the progress that I think the unions made over the last year, we've had, I think, as anybody who's been paying attention to Paizo, has observed we've had a 
pretty consistent brain drain. We've lost a lot of people who were behind some of our, some of our best stuff, um, including two of the people that we've already mentioned here. We lost uh, Jason Tondro and Ron Lundin to uh, that other uh, RBG company. Yep. Um, and Jason Keeley, now that I think about it, although he didn't yep. go there. Too. Um, yeah, we've, we've lost quite a few people. And I think a lot of the problems that uh, people have aren't you know, lack of love for Paizo, love for their coworkers, love for what they're doing, but just the inability to, um, inability to continue doing it. I think Mark, Mark Seifter, before he went, mm -hmm. um, posted a number of, uh, of very in-depth and, and thoughtful Twitter threads on, on just, uh, on the financial issues that he was facing while working at Paizo. So that's one of the things that we're hoping that we can do. And I think that we're hoping that once we can, um, stabilize things a bit financially for, for some of the people who work here, um, that we can all start working together, both the, the staff and the managers and the executives to see what Paizo can do next. I think Paizo is an awesome company. It's an awesome place to work. And, we're all hoping to work forward or to uh, work together to try and keep it that way and make it even better. Well, I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for you. I love Paizo. So thank you. <laughs> so what's next for Andrew? What are some cool things you're working on that you can actually talk about? Well, the thing that I'm most excited about is the uh, drift crisis case files adventure, which comes out next spring. Um, which is my first cover credit, which is super nice. exciting for me. Um, I wrote that uh, along with a couple of other freelancers. It was developed by Jenny Jarzabski. And it is sort of a Starfinder-based film noir-themed trilogy of adventures, uh, which was absolutely a blast to write. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to hearing what people think of that. So I'm super excited about that. Um, there are, as always, a couple of other as yet unannounced projects that I've contributed to and, and hopefully my work will make it into the final version. Um, there's a couple of other things that have been announced. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, Rage of Elements, which I can't remember if I'm allowed to talk about what I contributed to that yet. So I won't. Usually not, not until the list of authors is, you know, kind of put out for that thing. But there's a lot of amazing stuff in that, and I'm super excited to see uh, the reactions to that one as well. That's uh, that's going to be one of our main Gen Con releases next year, so that should be nice. Um, I would also honestly like to find some time to devote more time to, to writing stuff for Infinite. Um, Danger mm -hmm. Dossier is really the only thing I've actually put out there, but I keep having ideas just in conversations with people or just while I'm you know, doing chores or something, uh, and think like, oh man, that would be a cool thing to, to make a Pathfinder infinite project out of. Um, the, the, the running joke is sort of somebody will randomly come up with some idea in, in a chat thread and, uh, somebody else will say, take it to infinite. And we'll, it'll be like a, a list of, you know, Michelin, Michelin star reviewed restaurants in Absalom or, right, um, right. yeah, just some weird, crazy idea that, uh, that you can do now because there's now a, a platform where you can write anything you want and in Galarian or in Starfinder and, and make it happen. So I'd like to do some more stuff like that. Um, one project I've been wanting to do for a long time and um, maybe I'll finally get around to doing it is my kids love making up monsters. 
Um, so I would love to take some of the sort of weird ass monsters that they come up with and stat them out and put them into a Pathfinder PDF that you can actually purchase on. I mean, not for much, but uh, put it on uh, just, just for fun, just to put it out there for publishing. And if you've been around little kids, the monsters are, are weird as hell. So you'll get things like, uh, it's a, it's a monkey and it's a vampire. And if it bites you, you grow a unicorn horn and, um, and <laughs> unicorn gores you, it sends you to another plane and then just everything just sort of keeps going from there. Um, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, mainly just a bunch of weird random projects. Um, I've got, um, another actually non Paizo related sort of RPG project that I've been working on for a really long time that eventually someday I'll probably maybe finish and put on drive through RPG to see what people like. Um, yeah, a lot of that. And, uh, just in general, like I was mentioning before, my biggest non directly related to my usual day job responsibilities focus right now is in, um, attempting to facilitate more cool Paizo stuff on Foundry because I think that that is beneficial to, I mean, beneficial to the platform. It's beneficial to Paizo and um, our fans seem to really, really enjoy them. And I'm not surprised because again, they did an amazing job. So all of that stuff and also occasionally sleep, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to be pretty busy with everything. Definitely got the bug. It sounds like. Yep. Well, glad to have it it's 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 fun it's it's a fantastic creative outlet um that i that i think i was lacking for a while there honestly but it's uh it's great to have it's great to have something to pour that into now excellent well andrew thanks so much for joining us on the podcast tonight appreciate sure. it thank you for having me it's been great <laughs>